Welcome to the Cannabis 101 podcast, your guide through the legalization and consumption of cannabis in Canada and beyond. Here's your host, Dean Millard. Hello there and welcome to episode 59 of the Cannabis 101 podcast. My name is Dean Millard and it's not just about getting high, it's about getting healthy. Uh, we're going to uh, try to keep your plants healthy for you growers out there on this episode. And uh, by the way, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, depending on when it is that you are listening to this. Uh, and before we get into everything on the show, there is one way that we like to ease into things by finding out what's your groove put that in your pipe and smoke it can you dig it kind of grabs you by the boo-boo don't it pipe in a crate long in a blitz this is great this is the bee's knees. All right. So when I ask you, what's your groove? Uh, I want to know if you're listening to this show, are you grooving with anything cannabis wise? Maybe, uh, you have a, a joint who knows? Uh, maybe you've got uh, a bong. I don't know. Pipe and a crepe, bong and a blintz. Maybe you're going with some nice, relaxing CBD, or maybe you've had some edibles. I don't know. Whatever it is you're grooving with, if indeed you are, let me know. Hit me up on Twitter at the Cannabis One Hundred One, uh, and you can also email me Cannabis One Hundred One Podcast at gmail.com if you would like to remain anonymous. Uh, this is what I'm grooving with this week. It's the uh, Very Well Tingle uh, tincture, and uh, it's really kind of cool because actually on the bottle, you can peel back the label, and they tell you that two drops equals 0.5 milligrams of THC and 0.5 milligrams of CBD. Uh, and I have had their yawn, and it definitely uh, makes you tired. Uh, it's a uh, one gram of THC. Uh, they also have a pure CBD one. And this is Tingle, and it's apparently the social one. Uh, so it's a one-to-one. -one. This is a Hexo product produced by Trust Beverages. Uh, Molson Coors is involved. And uh, yeah, it's really cool. I used the uh, Click and Collect uh, at Nova Cannabis, Jasper Ave, when I went down to pick up our strain for this week to see my buddy Chris Ionson, our educator. I was in and out, got my stuff. It was great. And I'm going to give this a try. Like I said, I've tried the yawn before and uh, it did definitely made me tired. Tired. Uh, this is supposed to be the social one. So I'm going to give it a shot. And so I've mixed this in with my uh, ice water. Uh, that's all I'm going with on this one. I've tried it before with uh, a Diet Coke. And I'm going with the uh, ice water. Uh, and first of all, when you buy any of these drinks, or any of these products, expect some sort of taste. I wouldn't call it a flavor, because uh, I definitely am uh, not crazy about the taste. Uh, so I don't think it's a flavor that they're putting in there. I think it's just the process. Hopefully that improves at some point. 
This definitely has a taste to it. I'm not going to say it's a flavor. I'm not going to call it flavorless, but it's not tasteless. So just so you know, it does taste a little bit different. Uh, the the one drink that I did have was the houseplant grapefruit, and that had no that had definitely just a uh, grapefruit taste. Like I said, I picked up a uh, a CBD bottle of iced tea uh, from Plant Life Jensen Lakes in St. Albert. Then I'm looking to try and see if that has some sort of taste. But this definitely does have a taste to it. But uh, it's effective. It starts uh, you know coming on fairly quickly. So here's what's coming down the hash pipe on this show. We're going to get you some growing help for you growers, whether you work at a big facility or you're the home grower. We have some answers for you on how you can keep your plants healthy. Uh, David Samanzig uh, from Clean Light and Corwin Cook from Canneth Imports are going to join us. And we're going to discuss how Clean Light can help keep your plants healthy healthy. David Wiley from the OZ on This Week in Cannabis News, a name change for a cannabis retail store. Seth Rogen surprisingly smokes pot all the time, not surprisingly. Uh, We're going to talk about CEO salary structure and uh, the ongoing story that we brought you last week about vape pens and this canopy growth deciding not to sell certain vape pens with Phytol in it. We will give you the latest that we have on that situation. Uh, Chris Ianson, as mentioned, is our educator on what's that strain. He is the manager of the Nova Cannabis Jasper Ave location. And this week we're doing Samurai Spy from Edison. I absolutely love how Edison Cannabis names everything after movies. I'm going to try to track down this movie that we'll tell you about a little bit later. We'll tell you all about this delicious strain. And Malcolm LaBelle from the Green Generation Co. On the business of cannabis, uh, we're going to talk about cannabis ecosystems and we're also going to discuss cannabis and indigenous land and that gray area that is out there our cannabis question has to do with rituals and we'll tell you about the weed weekly and how you can get in on our monthly giveaway speaking of giveaways we've got a cool prize pack in our cannabis question this week it's prize time Chime in on the cannabis question. Okay. And you could win a Cannabis 101 podcast prize pack. Pipe in a crepe, bong in a blint. Hit us up on any of our social media feeds or email us at cannabis101podcast at gmail.com. Okay, here we go. You can find us on Twitter at the Cannabis 101 and the Cannabis 101 podcast on Instagram and Facebook. And as mentioned, you can email us cannabis 101 podcast at gmail.com. So here's the question this week Do you have a cannabis ritual? Do you have something that you do every day? or not every day, right? But every time you use cannabis, for some people, it's the rolling process. Uh, Maybe for others, it's the grinding, or maybe some people listen to the same song. I don't know what it is. Um, I don't really have a ritual. I wish I could roll better, uh, but I can't. So rolling is kind of tedious for me because I pack the joints, but I don't really have a ritual with with, um, any kind of THC, but I do have a CBD ritual. 
And it's that I take it twice a day. Uh, I have some uh, CBD iced tea, as mentioned, that I'm going to have a little bit later. Grab that from uh, Gage Stanky, who, by the way, will be on One Hitters this week. He's the uh, manager at uh, Jensen Lakes in St. Albert, the Plant Life location. So CBD is definitely my ritual. Uh, I take the oil uh, once in the morning uh, through a spray, and uh, I really love the uh, Hexo uh, Elixir. Um, I've been looking for that, so... Uh, hopefully I can find that soon. Uh, but yeah, CBD spray once in the morning, uh, once around dinner time. that's my ritual. And, uh, it is really, really huge for me. It has been CBD has been a real, it's, you know, it's been a, allowed me to, uh, um, at, at some point, not on its own. And I don't want to stress that, uh, but it has allowed me, um, in the past with some other measures and the supervision of my doctor to wean off um, prescription pills that I was taking for my mental health. Uh, now I use some other natural remedies along with uh, cannabis in the form of CBD and sometimes in the form of uh, THC. By the way, uh, August 8th was National CBD Day. That's pretty cool. Uh, National CBD Day was uh, August 8th. So, um, I, yeah, I did that. Uh, I was able to uh, wean myself off of uh, prescription medication with the help of my uh, physician, my uh, psychiatrist, and CBD has been an absolute life changer for me. So that's for me, uh, and that's what I say. Cannabis, it's not just about getting high. As fun as that is, it's also about getting healthy, and for me, CBD has been paramount in that. St. John's wort is another thing, and regular therapy. You know, not to... Uh, go on a, a mental health spiel here, but um, uh, a friend of mine, Ryan Rashog from TSN, was on one of my other podcasts one time, Sports and More, and he related therapy to kind of an oil change, just regular maintenance on your vehicle, and it's such a great idea. You know, I, I go to therapy regularly, um, you know, because I I need to uh, to to have some help. Uh, but even if uh, you think your life is great, you know, it's always good to have somebody to talk to. So. Um, that's my little spiel on mental health and certainly cannabis has been a big part in helping with that. Now, here's the, the cool thing, unfortunate for one person, but cool for somebody else. Recently, uh, we had Daniel Nguyen from Numo Cannabis on the show and he gave us a great prize pack. The winner that was supposed to get that has decided they were anonymous, first of all, and they decided they didn't. They don't want it. Unfortunately, and I'm not going to go into uh, too specific, but their spouse does not approve. So they just figured it would be an easier thing to not have it. Um, so anyway, uh, that means, and, and they graciously said, said to give it to somebody else. So I, I really appreciate that, somebody being honest that way. Now, that means this Numo Cannabis Prize Pack is up for grabs. And uh, there is a very cool product from burnt in this package it's the yaketa it is the uh, beautiful beautiful uh rolling tray i absolutely love it i have uh one i have several products uh for burnt uh for sure um and this one i think it's it's really cool um The, the cool thing about Burnt is they have all these products for consumption. Like I have the Hexasaurus Rack. They have the Prism. Uh, then they have some storage items. And the Yaketa is this uh, beautiful 
trying to think of what uh, it is made out of, this beautiful wood. Maybe walnut? I would uh, I would hate to be wrong, unfortunately, uh, but I'm pretty sure it's walnut, and it is absolutely gorgeous. And that's in this prize package, along with some other really cool things, courtesy of uh, Numo Cannabis. So if you want to get in on that, hit me up on any of our social media feeds, at the Cannabis 101 on Twitter, Cannabis 101 Podcast on Facebook and Instagram, or you can just email me if you'd like to remain anonymous, Cannabis101podcast at gmail.com and tell me if you have a cannabis ritual and you could be getting this in the mail. It is absolutely gorgeous. And there's some other really cool things in there as well uh, that I wanted to be a surprise. Maybe I'll take a picture or something like that before I uh, ship it out. So hit me up to get in the mix on that. All right. Uh, what pairs well with cannabis is just anything that you think goes well with cannabis. And for me, it's playoff overtime i love nhl playoff overtime i think it's stanley cup playoff overtime is the best theater in sports especially when you go to five overtimes man that was crazy yesterday with columbus and tampa bay and then a double overtime game between uh, uh carolina and boston today who were supposed to play yesterday and had to play this morning it's just been wild and i used to the only regret i have about that five overtime game yesterday is that it didn't start at like seven o'clock and then go till Two in the morning. One of my favorite memories is the Easter epic in 87. Uh, Capitals, Islanders, Kelly Rudy uh, on the winning end uh, in that long overtime game. His record was broken yesterday, and I and I enjoyed it. I uh, got I enjoyed it. I got through the overtimes uh, with my cannabis. And in the past, uh, I've you I've drank a lot of alcohol when I've been watching uh, playoff hockey. And those overtime games, you can start putting them away fast. And you know there were times. Uh, where I would be drinking uh, one or two bottles of wine per game, uh, some of these long overtime games. And, and you know, now that I'm substituting cannabis, it's I feel so much better, uh, A, later on that evening and, and uh, certainly uh, the next day. Not to say I don't have the odd beer here and there or a glass of wine when I watch the hockey, uh, but I don't certainly have as much as I did before. And I certainly uh, lean on uh, cannabis to enjoy uh, the hockey and the playoffs and everything else. A little bit more. It's uh, it's much more enjoyable, and I think much more healthy, uh, for me. All right. Uh, before we get to our uh, guests today, I want to tell you about the uh, Weed Weekly. You can get the latest on what's happening with the Cannabis One Hundred and One Podcast by subscribing to the Weed Weekly at www.cannabis101podcast.ca. If you sign up, you're in the mix for our monthly prize pack, but only for subscribers. Plus, it's an easy way to keep up to date with, uh, hopefully, one of your favorite podcasts, the Cannabis 101 podcast. All right. On the other side of the weed song from the artist My Dead Dog, we'll tell you how you growers, either at home or at an LP, can keep your plants healthy. Is 
the Cannabis 101 podcast, your guide through the legalization and consumption of cannabis in Canada and beyond. Very pleased to welcome to the program uh, a dual interview uh, across the pond and here in North America. Uh, joining me is uh, Corwin Cook, business development uh, with Caneth Imports, and uh, joining us uh, from in Europe, David Simanzig, North and South American sales rep for Clean Light. We're going to tell you about what this is all about as we roll along. And, and Corwin, let's start with you. Just give me an overview of, of Caneth Imports. Yeah, thanks, Dean. Uh, Caneth was born over 30 years ago when a founder of our company was asked by a local farmer to source European technology and uh, automation solutions for a barn they were building. So the, the results of that project were so successful that he continued on doing that, and that's how Caneth started. Caneth actually stands for Canada, Netherlands. That's where the name come from, but now we've expanded into products from Germany, Israel, Spain, the U.S., and, and here at home as well. Ah, that is excellent. I love the uh, connection. And, uh, you know, David, uh, I guess maybe you can uh, uh, pick things up uh, from here as far as uh, clean light, uh, and, and that's kind of the thing that we are talking about. Can you give us an overview of clean light? Yes, the company Cleanlight um, is a it's a Dutch company. It was uh, been founded in uh, 2005 by our CEO Arnie Eiking. Uh, he himself lived also for 25 years in uh, North America, but uh, eventually he went back to the Netherlands and started this uh, innovation. Um, and it's like uh, the innovation that he. Um, that he started was the UVC crop protection. This is a specialized UV light which kills uh, fungi, uh, bacteria, and viruses on the crops, uh, on plants, in greenhouses, but also outdoors. Um, he thought of this company or, or uh, of this idea uh, in South America when he uh, was uh, visiting some clients from his uh, former uh, job. And uh, there the, the people were taking out the plants uh, from the greenhouse outside in the sun uh, because of the sun that uh, emits the UV spectrum and, uh, and cleans the plants from all, all microorganisms. Um, so eventually he thought, okay, how can we apply this also for indoors, for in the glass or in, uh, in uh, grow rooms even? Uh, and he developed uh, yeah, the clean light UV crop protection technology. Hmm. Uh, it's so interesting uh, how an idea forms, and I love hearing kind of the backstories of that. So tell tell uh, us a little bit, uh, David, what it has been mainly used for and and how cannabis now has been brought into the equation, how that how that took place. Yeah. Um, yeah, eventually, or at the start, he, uh, he thought of the technology for an outdoor application, uh, our CEO. He was focused on uh, on vineyards to fight powdery mildew and botrytis in the vineyard industry because it's a yeah it's a massive uh, production area of course, and the consumption of fungicides uh, the usage of fungicides is very high. So by applying uh, UV light on the crops, uh, you can reduce at least fifty to seventy percent of the fungicides being used. 
Uh, but yeah, like an innovation, you never know exactly which direction uh, it goes. <laughs> and uh, afterwards, he uh, in the Netherlands, uh, yeah, he developed the technology further with the Wageningen University uh, in the Netherlands, the Plant Science uh, University. And um, yeah, there, the, the market that was most responding to this technology was the uh, flower market, the roses. Uh, and um, there is also a very high... Uh, usage of uh, fungicides and uh, high issues with uh, with powdered mildew and botrytis, and there, yeah, the technology developed, and uh, we got uh, a lot of customers, uh, yeah, globally, um, especially in the flower industry. And since 2012, uh, yeah, we uh, we also developed our retail products, so like handheld UV uh, units. These are like Clean Out Hobby units or Clean Out Pro units. This is a complete kit with uh, with glasses, safety gloves, uh, yeah, the, the the reflector uh, inside. Um, yeah, for like hobby growers, for smaller growers, this was eventually yeah, in the start. This was developed for um, treating yeah, like strawberry plants and everything like this. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, the equipment was a little bit too expensive for that market. But uh, <laughs> it was very uh, yeah, the the cannabis growers uh, really responded to this uh, product. Because I said, no, look, our our product is uh, high in price. Uh, it costs a lot of time and, uh, and money to uh, to grow the cannabis, and eventually, yeah, it also ter- it's a it's a good turnover, of course, with the with the cannabis plants. Uh, and there, they said, okay, like a, a couple of hundred dollars for uh, for complete light, where I can uh, get rid of my powdery mildew and keep the plants free and uh, and clean uh, of diseases. Uh, this is worth uh, the money. And so from there, we had like the smaller uh, handheld units, the retail units, uh, and we sold them. Uh, we sell them through uh, yeah, wholesalers and uh, grow shops, uh, yeah, also in North America and Europe and a lot of countries. Um, and from there, yeah, we made a step to the to the licensed producers as well, because they also said, oh, look, this is nice for uh, like 10 or 20 plants. But for larger systems uh, yeah, we uh, or larger productions, we also need different systems. Uh, and that's why we uh, we also offered our larger UV boom systems or UV trolley systems, which they can push through the aisles and uh, do the treatments in uh, in the cannabis as well. Hmm. It's amazing. Well, Amsterdam is obviously no stranger to, to cannabis, and uh, maybe it's not a surprise that uh, you know being so close, uh, people would uh, use this for cannabis. And, and globally, you know, we here in Canada, we are lucky enough to have. Uh, the wonderful plant legalized, and uh, there's a lot of states in the U.S. that are going that are that way and going that way, and 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 cannabis is uh, you know it's going it's going to be uh, you know legal a lot more places than it is. So it seems like this is kind of a, a great innovation for that grower. So you know what can you tell us, uh, David, about what it does specifically for the cannabis grower um, that may be different from the other things? What are the specific benefits for the cannabis grower with clean light? Yeah, for the cannabis, there are a lot of uh, side benefits, of course, because normally a rose grower, uh, he doesn't consume uh, the rose. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, or, the, or the flower, but a cannabis grower, yeah, for for this uh, this plant, it's of course a lot of additional benefits as well that you can uh, of course eliminate the usage of fungicides which you don't want to use or you don't want to spray anything else as well. Uh, because a big advantage of the technology is of course that it's a dry technology, so you're not adding uh, humidity or water on the plant and in the room. So it's a it's a dry technology which is also effective not only against powdery mildew, but also against other bacteria, viruses, and different types of fungi as well. 
So it's a multi-use for uh, for cannabis because there's also yeah, the microbiological load of, uh, of diseases on the on the cannabis plant, and you want to have this, of course, as low as possible. Um, and this can be managed with a with a frequent treatment of uh, of clean light. And I think one um, of the things that you mentioned that is so key is that you're you don't have to use uh, you know different pesticides or or chemicals that can be harmful when you're specifically ingesting this type of plant. What are the ways that this clean light is used uh, with the cannabis plant? What are the types of ways that you apply clean light? Um, yeah, for the for the cannabis, we have a couple of different uh, options. We have, like what I said earlier, the hobby unit. It's a very small unit, uh, not very powerful for about f- five or six plants. Then we have the Clean Up Pro unit. This is a larger unit, a little bit stronger, so you can do the treatment uh, faster. Um, and these are units that you manually move over the plants and you disinfect the plants just within a couple of seconds. Hmm. If you overexpose the plants, you can also burn the plants because the UVC light that we emit is quite uh, strong. Okay. Uh, so it has to be like a swipe uh, over the canopy that you just, uh, every, every plant just a couple of seconds. Um, if you have like a larger grow, then we have UV trolleys in a lot of different sizes and uh, forms that you can just, with a couple of lights, mount it on a trolley, which you can just uh, push through the aisles, uh, through the greenhouse, uh, indoor facilities, uh, whatever you can imagine. And then we have the, the UV boom systems, which move automated in greenhouses over the canopy and treat like uh, millions of plants in a couple of hours. Um, and next to this, we also sell a lot of um, yeah, UV purifiers, air purifiers. So they treat the air with UV light uh, continuously in grow, grow rooms, uh, yeah, which lowers also the pressure of, of botrytis, uh, powder mildew, all different kinds of, uh, of microorganisms. Very interesting. I, I love that it's not just for large scale operations. Here in Canada, uh, we are each allowed to have uh, grow four plants uh, per household. So you can get the, uh, the, the I think you called it the handheld uh, uh, operation. Uh, so so yeah. you, you mentioned you just do it very quickly. So how often um, would you recommend doing this? And, and literally how, many, how long do you hold it over a plant? Is it literally one, two, and then you're done? Yeah, correct. Yeah, it depends a little bit, of course, on um, yeah, on the stage of the plant because there's also a big benefit for the for the cannabis growers that you can use it from from cuddlings on, so from oh. young plants uh, until uh, harvesting, and because and even the day before harvesting or in the post harvest even as well, uh, because there's no residue on the on the plant, so you don't leave anything behind. So you can do it every day, uh, twice per day, uh, how often you uh, you like. And also up to the harvest. So even and even after harvest, we have larger growers, but also hobby growers, uh, which treat their harvested product also with the UV uh, to also in that stage or for storage, uh, lower these amounts of, uh, of microorganisms on uh, on the product. Hmm. Um, and and with with regard to the treatment, um, yeah. So a small unit, uh, we have like an eleven or ten watt uh, unit, and a, and a forty watt unit is the Cleanup Pro. Mm-hmm. And with that, you would just yeah swipe the plant just for one, two, three seconds, um, and that's already sufficient. And with with regard to the frequency, this depends a little bit on uh, yeah how severe is the problem with uh, with powdery mildew or botrytis or different uh, fungus. Um, because normally we recommend to just to do it also as a preventative method, just on a daily basis. 
so you keep all the spores uh, yeah, co- under control because you, uh, you damage the mycelium of the fungus in a very young stage, so it can't even develop itself. Uh, and this interrupts the life cycle of the, of the fungus. Um, if you say, okay, I have a really severe powdery mildew issue at the moment, you can even do like two or three treatments per day uh, mm. with a couple of hours in between. If you say, okay, look, I'm full of powdery mildew, and uh, then you can also apply it as a curative method. Well, and, yeah. and that's the good thing is it doesn't seem like it's time consuming as far as the actual application. Uh, you know, if you're, if you're having to do it two or three times a day because your plant is in real trouble, uh, then it's a little bit. But normally it's just a quick swipe over. So it's not like you're laboring over the plant because, you know, let's face it, growing is a, a labor of love, but it's also uh, time consuming. So this uh, gives it an opportunity. And and we, we talked about the, the benefits of not having to use uh, pesticide, David, uh, is the, is the, are there other side benefits? Uh, like when you know, when you mentioned that if you're having a problem, does it just instantly kill uh, the, these, um, you know, powdery mildew situations for you? Yeah. Yeah. Because most, uh, most of our customers, they, of course, they, they go looking on the internet and they search, okay, uh, get rid of my powdery mildew or stop powdery mildew. And that's, that's how they, of course, uh, yeah, come on our, uh, yeah, get to know our technology. Um, so this is mostly we operate from a curative point because they, they start when they, of course, have problems with powdery mildew and then they use a unit. And from the first, uh, from the first treatment on, the, the powdery mildew and the, the fungus is dead, uh, so it can't develop any further. If you repeat this treatment for like four or five days, you will see that the powdery mildew will turn gray blackish and you can just wipe or spray it of the leaves with, uh, with water or different uh, spray. Um, so this is normally how we operate. Yeah, that, that they, okay, they have a problem, but for the for the larger cannabis growers, there's also a big advantage of applying it on a daily basis because uh, a different um, benefit of the technology is that it is, it is a UV supplement. So plants um, indoors and in greenhouses are lacking UV light, uh, sunlight from from outdoors. So. With this operation and these couple of seconds, we apply about the same UV dose as uh, outdoor in a complete day of sunlight. So we can give this back to the plant in just uh, three, four seconds because the light is so intense and concentrated. So also, uh, this is also a big benefit that the plants will thrive by applying this uh, this UV light because they, uh, yeah, their UV supplement is larger than normally. Um, and this also... As known, of course, that the strains are that are grown high in the Himalaya mountains mm-hmm. uh, and uh, high in the high in the mountains, they receive a lot of more, a lot more UV light. And these strains are also more potent. They have a higher THC level. They have uh, more resin production, oil productions, and this is also a benefit of applying uh, cleanet on a daily basis. So you will always just yeah um, copy like an outdoor grow, but then indoors. Very interesting. So it not only, uh, you know, prevents diseases from taking over your plant, but also improves the quality of the plant that you're growing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Sometimes we get comments or feedback and they say, uh, it's like uh, we're growing our plants on steroids uh, <laughs> when they, when they, when they do the treatment with, uh, with clean light. Super plants. That's good. Yeah, um, exactly. Yeah. You, you, you mentioned earlier how, you know, this started, uh, you know, in the kind of uh, with different kind of plants and you mentioned some strawberry plants and now uh, people are using this for cannabis. And it's amazing how, you know, you, you start an idea with one thing and something else opens up. I guess what your thoughts on the cannabis industry that is starting to become 
uh, a global industry. It's not going to be legal everywhere, but you know, I imagine you guys didn't envision uh, this being used for cannabis, but now it is. And and this is my, you know, is this is the cannabis industry one of your better customers? Absolutely. In the last uh, two three years, this was a booming business uh, for us, and still is because yeah, there is of course now a lot of uh, a bit of trouble with the uh, with the larger LPs. Not all of them are really like operating from a good standpoint. But uh, most of them are doing a very good job, and uh, and I visited uh, about maybe forty or fifty LPs myself in North America, uh, and I know this this is a, a really big market for us at the moment, and in the future it will even be uh, much more important for us as uh, for for Finite as well, because uh, yeah, uh, we are still also doing research with different LPs uh, and proving uh, the exact THC um, increase, uh, the the resin levels the oil production and everything. Uh, once we figure this all out, uh, there's, there's now already like about 40 LPs using Clean Night on a daily basis. Um, but in the in the end, I will think this is this, this should be like one one uh, a very basic application which they know, okay, the UV, we have to integrate it somehow. Uh, and this is a perfect way to do it. So for us as a company, we're really focused on developing uh, our technology further, especially for the cannabis market. Now let's bring uh, Corwin Cook, uh, business development with Canneth Imports, uh, back into the conversation. And uh, you know, Corwin, I, I wonder of of, of the, this growing cannabis industry, and you guys are now uh, providing these units and learning more about the cannabis industry. Is this something that that, that you think is uh, could be something for you? Actually, you know, giving cannabis a try and and learning more about the uh, the the plant itself. Yeah, actually, I, I, I kind of feel like we're, what was it, the 30s or the 20s when we were, or the 40s, breaking out of prohibition? Yeah. Um, but no, it, it my background is such that I never would have dreamt I would have considered uh, looking at cannabis, but sports has not been kind to my knees. <laughs> um, so I've been hearing really good things about pain management and, and joint relief. Uh, no no pun intended there. Right, yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to learning more. I, I've started to do some research because of being introduced uh, to the industry. And yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to exploring that. Yeah, and I think that's the wonderful thing is that uh, you know you can you can do a lot of research and talk to people, uh, particularly doctors, and uh, you know learn different things. Uh, you know, David, I don't know um, you know what your thoughts are on uh, on a personal cannabis use, but you just thoughts on cannabis legalization from your point of view as it is in Canada and is starting to grow more globally. Is this uh, is this something that uh, you know you could see yourself being a part of, or you think that you know is something that is good uh, for the rest of the world yeah yeah absolutely for for me looking at Netherlands of course it's uh it's a it's a weird thing because yeah I'm uh, 31 at the moment so I grew up with the uh, complete legalization of cannabis in the Netherlands mm-hmm. so we were we were always uh, able to uh, to buy it in a, in, a, in a coffee shop in the Netherlands of course so from 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 your 18th on you could go into the shop and buy your tested uh, different kinds of strains of cannabis right um, and uh, I know for especially for the for the crime and everything that industry, it's really good to have it completely legalized uh, and that everybody can grow their own cannabis if they like uh, in a certain amount, of course. 
and that you can buy it, test it. Uh, and yeah, I, I think even in Canada and in the States, they're doing it now better uh, because there are, everything is being tested. In the Netherlands, there's a lot of shops that don't really test their product, so it's not really a top quality. Mm-hmm. But if you if you could have this like top quality and you know it's tested, that there's no fungicides or chemicals uh, on the product, uh, I think it's a really good step. And uh, I also hope now in the Netherlands, they're also changing this uh yeah, this view that they say, okay, um, we're going to legalize it also and the production of it, that we do the commercial production of right. cannabis, which will be supplied to the uh, to the grow shops, um, to the coffee shops, because this was something lacking, you know, so the cannabis had to come from somewhere, <laughs> but uh, it was not really uh, uh, like a legal, uh, right. legal enterprise somehow. <laughs> So, uh, but I'm absolutely 100% uh, yeah, convinced that it, that is it is the way to legalize it completely and uh, develop also these uh, yeah these applications for different uh, treatments of uh, diseases uh, and everything because I know yeah it's a nature product and I'm uh, very yeah, fond of that that it's like uh, something that the nature gives us you know it's not a chemical uh, processed uh, thing um, and that's uh, that's a good thing in my opinion. Yeah, I, I've always been fascinated by the kind of legal uh, Amsterdam rules where it's uh, legal to go in and buy it and smoke it and consume it, but the shops have to get it somewhere and that's not exactly illegal. So I was always, uh, you know, fascinated by that. And, and, you know, for me, getting to Amsterdam is on my bucket list. Um, you know, I think uh, I think that maybe earlier, like before a bunch of countries legalized or a bunch of states, people were, that's where everybody was flocking to was Amsterdam. Yeah, exactly. No, so, yeah, Amsterdam still it's like uh, yeah, it's one tourist attraction for yeah. uh, for cannabis uh, smokers, you know. But uh, and, the, and the Amsterdam uh, habitants were from the city. They don't like it a lot, but uh, yeah, I don't know. It's uh, it's still nice, and I think this will, of course, yeah, now um, yeah, develop a little bit uh, different way because cannabis is yeah getting legally uh, also in Spain, for example, or in mm. Italy. You have smoking clubs, you know. There's more similar uh, things um, yeah, to, to, to the Netherlands as well. Yeah, so many more countries are looking at legalization, and uh, I couldn't agree more. Corwin, let's bring you back in to to wrap up this conversation. And uh, we've told people um, all these great benefits of clean light. So where can either the home growers that listen to this show or possibly uh, some of the people that work at some of the LPs that are interested, how do they get clean light through Canneth? Yeah, we're working on a kind of a two-pronged approach right now. Um, one of the ways that we go to market as a company is through a distribution network. So we are in the process of setting up distributors across Canada and the United States, and we currently have distributors in British Columbia, Alberta, Ontario, Quebec, uh, as well as California, and hopefully soon in New York. I'm working with a company right now. Um, so that's one way is we're setting up or looking for regional distributors to expand throughout North America. Um, but I'm also working directly with LPs and greenhouses um, of, of all different kinds and outdoor, outdoor grows as well. Um, so you can reach us at CANF um, or, you know, you, you can look for a regional distributor as well. And we're in the middle of redoing our website which will show where those distributors are as well. We, we anticipate that website being done uh, sometime early this fall. 
Okay, so uh, the website can-neth.com, is that the one it will be uh, updated in the fall that people can check, especially for the maybe the home grower? That is correct. Excellent. And are you finding, you know, we, I talked to David about kind of the global cannabis market and obviously Canada being the, uh, you know, the first, you know, big country to legalize is, is a big market. Are you finding you're getting uh, requests and, and looking at uh, this going international around the world? Yeah, it's been, um, it's been interesting. There's certainly an increase in interest and activity and I've attended a lot of different trade shows and and everybody, when they hear about it, is eager to talk about it. Um, I, I think the LPs and growers are, are looking for uh, environmentally friendly ways, you know, um, herbicide or fungicide-free ways to deal with these issues. So uh, we're, we're starting to actually get contact come to us now um, that I haven't reached out to or that David hasn't reached out to, which is encouraging. Um, yeah, that's the that's the great thing that uh, has changed over the years that uh, you go to the trade shows. More and more cannabis uh, uh, industry people are popping up, and and you know even before it was fully legal in Canada, the medicinal side has uh, been there. So this has been a fascinating conversation, and I know the people that listen to this show that are in the growing game, whether at home or with a company, will be uh, very much interested. Uh, Corwin Cook, Business Development with Canneth Imports, and David Simanzig, North and South American Sales Rep for Cleanlight. Uh, gentlemen, thank you so much uh, for joining me on the program. Uh, best of luck and stay in touch. Thank you. Thank, thank you, likewise. is the Cannabis 101 podcast, your guide through the legalization and consumption of cannabis in Canada and beyond. Very interesting stuff. I'm always learning so much more about the cannabis industry and the type of uh, products that are out there and home growing, I think is going to get more and more. And at some point, you know, maybe uh, the number will be expanded from four plants, um, but definitely um, there's, you know, especially if you're new uh, to cannabis, you're not experienced in growing and you don't know what some of this stuff looks like, you know, maybe that's a, a really good product that uh, you could look into. And make sure you check out One Hitters later in the week featuring Gage Steinke of Plant Life Jensen Lakes as we get to know his cannabis history. He's a good friend of mine, helps me out whenever I go in there, very knowledgeable and a good guy to deal with. And the reason we're not doing it with uh, Corwin and Dave is because they don't have a cannabis history. Uh, so it's hard to figure out somebody's cannabis history when they don't have it um, on the uh, on that sort of thing. So um, I, I do like to make sure that uh, when we have a guest on that has a cannabis history, that they do talk about it because I think that is part of um, us uh, shattering that stigma, normalizing it, talking about it, uh, making sure that people know that you use it and you use it responsibly. And in a fun way, uh, you can find out uh, more about uh, one hitters and past episodes at cannabis 101 podcast.ca. You can also there subscribe to the weed weekly and qualify for our monthly giveaway. What's happening. We'll tell you right now on this week in cannabis news. 
David Wiley of the OZ joins me as usual. You can find them on the line at okanaganz.com slash OZ. Check them out on Twitter as well, at okanaganz and at Wiley writer uh david uh one of the stories the first story we're going to start with first of all thank you very much for uh, being back on the show as per usual um the first story is something that is kind of just breaking as before we were uh, recording this um and and i think it's something that uh, we all kind of well maybe I, not all but i kind of wondered when it was going to happen not if it was going to happen and uh, a cannabis store is changing its name yeah, howdy, Dean. Good to talk to you. Uh, Hobo announced today, I don't even know if they necessarily even announced it, but right. it uh, came out through the Canadian press that they're going to be rebranding. Um, they've admitted that their name, Hobo, was a bit tone gas. Um, yep, not a big surprise there. Uh, they've been hearing that since they first announced their name, that maybe it wasn't the the best one on the market. Uh, lots of heads being shaken and eyebrows raised. Uh, they've got 12 cannabis stores now in uh, spread out between Alberta and Ontario and BC. And it was actually the first uh, retail cannabis store that opened up in my neck of the woods in Kelowna here. And uh, they're going to be changing their name now to Dutch Love. So from uh, Hobo to Dutch Love, which isn't necessarily being welcomed with open arms either, just because people are kind of calling it a little bit weird. What does uh, it mean? So it's it's basically uh, the idea that uh, it's a reference to Amsterdam's okay. liberal attitude towards cannabis uh, and that country's key role in, in culture and cannabis culture. So, you know, I, I don't know what, it's, uh, it's a bit of a shocking change, I guess. Um, you know, the, the idea behind the initial name was that they were going for kind of a, a Jack Kerouac on the road vibe, that there was a freedom in wandering. Um, you know, that was the idea. I don't know why they didn't just call it something like Bohemian, yeah. which maybe captures that a little bit better. Um, so we'll, we'll see how this all shakes out. Uh, it faced a little bit of a pushback uh, initially um, just from the retail stores themselves in the sense that there's a lot of name recognition that's already, uh, you know, tied to the name Hobo. And this for them is going to mean uh, rebranding and uh, once again, trying to get some, some name recognition uh, almost from square one. It's, it's very interesting. Um, the, like you, it's you just can't strike out like that on your uh, on the first pitch when it comes to your name in this industry that is so brand new. I mean, this is going to stick with them for so long. And listen, I I know the vibe that they were going for. I get it, but you just have to think a little bit more and and maybe ask a few more people about it in this day and age. Whether you want to complain about it or not, that uh, it's too PC or whatever it is. It's the way it is, and you've got to adapt. Uh, personally, I think we can get rid of a, a lot more words that are commonly used and phrases as well. And it just—I I just never really understood the reason by it. The Dutch love is is kind of interesting. It's—it's uh, it's just interesting. I just had a guest from Holland on the show, and we were discussing, 
you know, the cannabis culture in Amsterdam where it's legal to buy it, it's legal to smoke it, but it's not legal for the shops to get it. So there's this quasi-legal thing that everybody thinks cannabis is legal in Amsterdam and it's kind of quasi-illegal. So I guess that's a, a nod to that. Certainly Dutch love is better than hobo. You know, the company behind a hobo or Dutch love now, I guess we should say, is the Donnelly Group. And they're not a new player to business. The Donnelly Group is based in Vancouver and has opened and owns some of um, the best-known pubs in the area. So, you know, uh, th- this whole idea of them making such a big mistake with yeah. their name is uh, is weird. Yeah, kind of kind of shocking uh, when uh, veterans make those kind of mistakes. All right, let's move on to a. Uh, a, a lighter, um, a funnier, and a very predictable topic, and that is Seth Rogen attributing his success in Hollywood to weed. And we know that, and and I hope non-cannabis people take a look at this and say, hey, maybe there is something to this. It's, it's fun to talk about Seth Rogen. It is. Um, you know, he's just found so much success by embracing cannabis. Um, yeah, I've made some pretty creative decisions after smoking weed. I think a lot of us have. And yeah, actor uh, Seth Rogen told Yahoo Entertainment that he says every creative decision that uh, we've ever seen him make throughout his entire life has been made after smoking weed, which is a, such a big sweeping statement. Uh, and then he goes on to say that he smokes weed all day, every day, and has for the past 20 years. So by nature, every decision he's made has been inspired in some way by cannabis. Uh, such a Seth Rogen thing to say. I, I'd put him up there with, you know, who else smokes more than Seth? Willie Nelson, maybe Snoop Dogg. Tommy uh, Chong. He's definitely. Yeah, exactly. I, I, I always forget about those guys sometimes. I, I wish we saw more of them these days. Um, so he made these comments while he's on his promotional tour for his newest movie of American Pickle. Maybe you've heard about it. Uh, The plot itself does sound like he was maybe taking dabs at the time that he thought about it. It's uh, about a a guy who gets gets brined, well, or gets preserved anyway, in pickle juice and ends up uh, waking up a century later and tracking down his uh, great-grandson when he awakens. So there's a there's that Seth creative process in action right there. Yeah, and you know what? Like he is definitely known uh, for you know kind of uh, funny uh, weed related comedies, and and certainly, dude, I thought Sausage Party was an April Fool's Day joke. That trailer when it came <laughs> out, and, and I loved the movie. I thought it was hilarious. I was high when I went to see it, and I'm sure Seth and those guys were high when they thought of it, which is kind of the point but he's also done some other really good things too and i i thought he was really good in funny people uh he's done some good stuff with uh, joseph gordon levitt uh so not every movie that he makes is weed related he is a, te- a creative guy and you know the i don't know if you're a fan i haven't watched it yet but i've heard great things about the amc series uh the i think it was called preacher like this guy is creating a ton of great stuff and as he says attribute it to mary jane he really is, and not just in his film. I mean, he's a big, big advocate for mm-hmm. um, getting people out of jail over minor cannabis offenses, and it's good to have people like that with that celebrity status who can speak up on behalf of those who can't. Yeah. 
Uh, also raises a ton of money for uh, Alzheimer's research as well, because I think he has a personal connection uh, to that. So uh, cheers. Uh, and, uh, you know, probably the guy between him and Tommy Chong would be the two guys that I would most like to uh, smoke a joint with. So uh, to me, they're Canadian cannabis royalty. Hmm. Yeah, agreed. Okay, let's talk about CEOs for a second. And listen, um, on one hand, I say you know all the power to or to all the power to a CEO if he can negotiate a uh, you know a very good deal, bonus laden deal, things like that. If that company is doing extremely well, it's a different story, I think, when the company is struggling and leading the league in layoffs. But we're talking about uh, the CEO at Canopy Growth, and um, you know it was revealed uh, this, uh, I guess the the compensation, and it's raising a lot of eyebrows. Math is not my forte. Uh, I was lucky to even get a passing grade back in high school, so I tend not to crunch these numbers myself. Um, luckily, MJ Biz daily analyzed Canopy's proxy statement, which uh, has been released. And they found that when you add up the Canopy CEO, David Klein's partial year compensation, he's making about $45 million a year. That's partial year compensation. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that's, MJ Biz Daily says that's actually 1,042 times more than the median compensation for the company's other employees yes. in fiscal 2020. Um, that's a big disconnect. And, you know, it includes... The salary includes bonus and stock options, uh, another compensation. You know, and in fact, the uh, the amount that's being put aside for his retirement fund is about equal to what a normal canopy worker would make in a year. Um, and this is something that we've seen over the last bunch of years, where CEO salaries just have been skyrocketing. Uh, and one analyst says that it's not due to the salary side per se but it's due to the bonuses and uh, the stock options, everything that starts to add up. The Canopy itself says that the compensation is fair. They're arguing that cannabis is a heavily regulated industry, that we're in growth mode right now, and uh, the Canopy itself being such a big company is under the spotlight all the time. So the CEO needs to hold up to that kind of pressure and make decisions that are going to help the company to succeed in, you know, in this industry with all of its challenges. Um, if you're wondering how that compares to other CEOs, I mean, the, the, the one who comes closest, the second best compensated cannabis exec is uh, Tilray CEO Brandon Kennedy, uh, who in 2018 had a total compensation of about $42.6 million. So uh, that's uh, definitely nothing to shake a stick at. Yeah, it's uh, it, it really is amazing that, uh, you know, you hear um, the CEO bonuses, not just in the cannabis industry, but in across the world and the amount that they're receiving while, you know, massive layoffs are happening and the economy, but these guys are making money and Canopy is not. I mean, you know, the the, the back end to this story is that they just came out with a, a massive loss. $128 million loss in its latest quarter. Wow. Um, you know, their earnings are starting to pick up, but uh, they are not there yet. And, uh, you know, even after announcing the loss, they had a pretty upbeat investors call. Uh, I hung on the line there to see if there was any mention of the upcoming report that Canopy's been, uh, you know, hush hush about. Mm-hmm. Um, that's going expected to be pretty damning uh, indictment of legal vapes that are using phytol and additives. Um, they didn't mention that, 
they did, though, however, Klein reiterated that, uh, you know, we have access to what he called a remarkably, uh, remarkably safe products. And he emphasized about four areas um, that they want to improve their nimbleness in Canada, improve their quality, um, that they've got some exciting stuff happening in the U.S., and they really want to be more disciplined financially. Uh, also, he did not mention the fact that they've shed about 20% of their workforce since January 1st of this year. So, uh, you know, you may not be making a lot of money at Canopy, but at this point in time, it seems like you're lucky if you even have a job to go to. Yeah, that's really unfortunate. Uh, okay, I wanted to uh, wrap up with a, a story, an update, uh, if you will, to the story that we discussed last week. Um, was a very popular segment uh, when I put it out on its own uh, in the uh, in the podcast space, and um, that this is the story that you know we 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 said that these vapes are going to be safe. Health Canada is going to be checking them. We're not going to have a vape crisis like the black market had in the U.S. and Canada. Um, and I'm not at all equating that to this, but there are certainly some concerns with vape pens, so much so that Canopy Growth has stopped selling some of these vape pens that contain Phytol, as you mentioned. What's the update? Yeah, last week when we talked about this, uh, the information was really inconclusive. Mm-hmm. Nothing, uh, nothing had been confirmed. Uh, I reached out to Canopy and Health Canada for some clarification of what's going on, and both did respond to me, to their credit. Uh, Canopy confirmed that it stopped selling vape products uh, that contain Phytol as an additive due to health concerns. They do have a report coming out um, that will shed some light on what that means. So in a statement, uh, their chief medical officer, Dr. Mark Ware, said the decision uh, was based on that study, and he said that the new information now underscores the need for consistent science and evidence-based regulations for cannabis products so that people have access to safe cannabis products that they can trust. Uh, and he says in a bit of a shot, I guess, to uh, maybe other producers that are made by producers that act with integrity. Mm. Uh, and it still wasn't clear enough for me. So, you know, again, I pushed Health Canada uh, on what this means to them. and. They told me that it's actually up to the license holders to ensure that their products are safe. What? So it's uh, it's it's their responsibility, according to Health Canada. And what uh, what the Department of Health federally has been doing is reaching out to these different producers and asking them for uh, a makeup of what's in the vape cartridges, uh, which they've been compiling that information now. And it's not necessarily focused just on Phytol, uh, but it is something that they, they want to, uh, to, to compile so that they can figure out uh, the makeup of all these, these vape products. So, you know, there's still not some solid information. I'm really uh, interested in seeing what Canopy Study has to say. And I think that that's the next step in, uh, in the story. Uh, you know, what, what is wrong with Phytol? And also, what other producers are using it as an additive? We have found that uh, there are pens that are made by Dosis. The Bliss pens do list Phytol as an ingredient, um, but it's un- uh, really it's unclear how many and which products do include it as an additive because the producers are not uh, they they don't have to disclose the ingredients in the oils. Um, so, you know, there, I think that this is going to lead to some, 
some big changes. Well, and it should. And a couple of things I'm unclear of uh, still. And, you know, I'm, I'm certainly more clear than we were last week. But mm-hmm. so I, does it sound to you that they're saying the onus is on the LPs and, and the, the whoever's producing this to police themselves? That's that's like kind of like saying, hey, it's, it's not our game. No, I think that is your responsibility. I don't think, listen, I, I trust most people and most producers, but... I'm not saying that there aren't people out there that might be cutting corners or doing something. I is am I reading that right? That's exactly what they're saying. They're wow. saying that, uh, and I quote: "The license holders are responsible for ensuring that all of their products meet the requirements, and that includes not selling cannabis products that contain anything that may cause injury to the health of the user when used <clears throat> as intended or in a reasonably foreseeable way." So it really does come down to the license holders. I, I just, I think that, you know, like, like I said, I think most of them do a great job as uh, the, uh, the the quote was about integrity in the story on the OZ. But I just think that you're, you're going to run into problems when you're just leaving it up to that. You are Health Canada. You should be uh, checking and, 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 and not letting it up to the LP because corners will be cut eventually at some point. And uh, maybe I already have. And, and the other thing is, I think we should be finding out what these products are now. Um, what if somebody has purchased these in the past? Sure. They're not selling them anymore, but what if other places are like, I just think the information is coming a little bit too slow on this. It really is. You know, are we going to see recalls? Right. You know, we don't know. Is Canopy study going to be made public? We don't know. What are Health Canada's next steps? We don't know. There's a lot still to be found out about the story. And uh, I'm surprised that we're not seeing more media outlets hop onto this. Yeah, well, hopefully, uh, hopefully they will, because, you know, this is something that cannabis consumers need to know about. Transparency is so important. When you're talking about one of the main reasons you want to legalize cannabis is to stamp out the black or gray market because you don't know what's in that product. And then you turn around and don't even know what's in the product that you're legalizing. That seems counterintuitive. There's an old journalism adage that really applies to this. And that's credibility is hard to earn and it's easy to lose. Yeah. And when you don't have transparency, your credibility is gone. Well, not gone, but it takes a hit. Right. Like the, sure here, here's a, here's an example for years. Fans have been saying the NHL should draft do the lottery live on television because they always did it in the back room and then produce the results this year. They did it live and there was no, no complaints because there was absolute transparency. And that's what we need more of in the cannabis industry. I agree. Great stuff, David. Thanks as always for joining me and uh, bringing the good stories that we need to know about, particularly about uh, what is going in our vape pens. So great work on that front. You can check things out at okanaganz.com slash OZ. You can try, uh, find them on Twitter at OkanaganZ and David's at Wiley Writer. Thanks once again. Enjoy the rest of your week. You too, my friend. Cannabis 101 podcast, your guide through the legalization and consumption of cannabis in Canada and beyond.
Unfortunately, I have some bad news, and I hate being the bearer of bad news, but I do have to tell you that the Cannabis and Hemp Expo uh, that was scheduled for October 3rd and 4th, having been rescheduled uh, from last April, and now has been postponed for a second time. It was supposed to take place at the Edmonton Expo Center. It has now been cancelled and uh, rescheduled for late April. Uh, we will give you more details on that as we get closer to that date. Uh, if you want to find out more information, you can at www.cannabishempexpo.com. And uh, when they do have this event, we'll be there on location. Uh, so you'll be able to come down and say hi. We'll be interviewing some other vendors and uh, putting together uh, some different episodes on that day. You got a joint? Uh, no, not on me, man. <laughs> It'd be a lot cooler if you did. Time now for Cannabis Characters. Dopest dope I've ever smoked. Celebrating the best from fictional 420 film. Hey, I am your stoner. <laughs> and beyond. Is it heavy stuff, man? <laughs> so today I'm going with uh, a duo. Uh, Tenacious D. Uh, I'm not sure if you've heard of them, um, but they're really funny dudes. It's Jack Black and Kyle Glass. Uh, they have uh, the movie Tenacious D, Pick of Destiny. They have a whole bunch of other shorts and some uh, live concerts. Really, really funny. And the scene we're going with here is uh, Jack Black rocking out on the beach with his guitar to try to make some money. Uh, then it, that happens, and Kyle wants him to spend it on the herb, and the last little bit you'll hear is what happens after they get the herb. His fingers move with blinding speed. Within my mind, he'll plant the seed. I'm proud to be amongst his learned flock. Hey, you rich KG. You know what to do. Pick up. Dude, it's Jables. Pick up, man. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I did it, man. Check it out. Do you hear that? The training is working, man. I made 10 whole bunch with my rock. Good. Go score me a dime bag. A what? $10 worth of weed. Now listen, go down to Wake and Bake Pizza. Ask for JoJo. Tell him you want the Bob Marley extra crispy. You'll know what you're talking about. All right, dude. Roger that. One extra crispy coming up. Stone Age men now have the muscle power and mental power necessary to evolve the new heights. All right. So that last uh, little bit is them uh, zoning out on the couch. But it's uh, it's some funny. These guys, I think, are uh, I think they're pretty funny. The pick of destiny was pretty good. Dave Grohl is involved in that as well. Uh, and uh, some other funny songs and concerts. And some of them are crude, but uh, some of them are pretty funny. We celebrate Tenacious D uh, as our cannabis characters. What's that strain? Let's find out with Chris Ionson, Nova Cannabis store manager and educator.
Once again, Chris Ionson, our educator and uh, the manager at the Nova Cannabis Jasper Ave location, joins us. Thanks again for making the trip out, Chris. Yeah, thanks for having me, Dean. I was uh, in earlier to uh, you know pick this up and um, picked up a few other things that I'm looking forward to uh, over the next little while and made sure uh, use the uh, click and collect, which is good because... You know, when, when when we make the trek to the city, as we call it here in small town St. Albert, uh, we always joke about going to the city. I, I can, you know, load all the stuff up in my cart, virtual cart, place my order, and when I get there, you have it ready for me. And then I can go about my business. And, and at this time, especially when we're wearing masks now, you want to be in and out as quick as possible. And that's what that allows you to do. Yeah, absolutely, Dean. Uh, reducing time in store and also allows you to shop our menu from home. So if you're, there's something particular you're looking for, you can make sure that we've got it in stock. Mm -hmm. Especially what we're talking about today and what we'll talk about uh, in a little bit afterwards. Uh, we're doing Samurai Spy, also known as a ninja fruit. And this is a... Uh, a pretty split down the mi middle hybrid, isn't it? Yeah, it's a pretty much a 50-50 hybrid for sure. That's good. Uh, yeah. That's that's that kind of appeals to to both. You know, the people that are only sativa or the people that really love indica. This gives you yeah. a little bit of both. And it's from Edison, and uh, they are the rec brand for Organogram. Started in 2013, I think, as a medical cannabis provider. Yeah, that's right, Dean. Uh, they started uh, out of Moncton, New Brunswick there, and they're known for one of the lowest cost per gram amongst all the Canadian LPs. Uh, their current portfolio includes the brands Edison, uh, Trailblazer, and Anchor Organics. And then we also do have an Edison Reserve uh, brand mm. that's under there too, where they kind of save their top colas for this reserve packaging. Uh, and then the products that they, they carry, uh, they've got dried flour and the regular and the reserve. Uh, they've got pre-rolls, they've got singles and packs. Uh, they've got vape pens, packs era pods, truffle chocolates, and ingestible oils. So they're kind of covering pretty much all the bases there. Uh, they have a really good marketing approach just with the names of their strains, which we'll get to in a second. And the name Edison, there's some cool, there's a cool reason why why they went with that, isn't there? Yeah, for sure. So the, the brand was, you know, named after after the inventor Thomas Edison here. And uh, he's a very innovative, uh, revolutionary guy back in his time. And, uh, and Edison's approach to cannabis is kind of similar. Uh, they're using a lot of modern technologies uh, when they grow their cannabis. Uh, whether it's their Organigrow proprietary system where they track numerous conditions for each grow room and they use historical data uh, to create the best uh, environment for the cannabis to grow in. So um, that's genius <laughs> it is uh, kind of their catchphrase. Uh, you'll see it in a lot of their marketing and, uh, and it does work for what they're doing. Uh, they're consistently raising the bar in the cannabis industry. And with this Organigrow program, like I feel like that, that kind of like Data tracking is is huge to, you know, we grew this uh, Rio Bravo and it came in at a 23%. Right, right. Why did it come in at 23%? Let's, How do we let's go through. It? Yeah, totally. So uh, that's genius. It's a, you know, there's smart guys over there at Edison. You know, it's no different than sports teams tracking, you know, why did we put up a so certain amount of points in this season or this game or this stretch and how do we repeat it? It's similar. And I love 
the phrase that's genius it, it goes so many ways obviously thomas edison uh, was a genius and you'll know as we go along that they named their stra- their strains after movies and he invented uh, or was was a big part i think of inventing the movie camera so there's so much yeah. about that's genius that just ties into so many different things and what about uh, some of the new things that they have uh, certainly they've got new strains i know and you're hinting to me about a new approach yeah, that's or right. Different Dave. approach. For yeah, sure. for sure, a different approach. So uh, first, let's touch on those those new strains. Uh, so they just released uh, three new strains. They're very exciting. They're high THC strains. Um, they released a. It's called the General, and it's a it's a grapefruit Gorilla Glue number four. Wow. So it's got that gassy kind of fruitiness. I, I tried some yesterday. It was awesome. Uh, they're also releasing a chem dog. Uh, we haven't mm-hmm. seen it yet in Alberta. Um, hopefully next week it should be on the order form. Uh, and then the samurai spy ninja fruit and, um, all of them are punching in at uh, 21% or higher, which is mm-hmm. what the market is after. Sure. Um, and actually like, uh, their CEO, Greg Engel, he recently said, uh, a quote here I'd like to share with sure. you guys. Uh, so he said at organogram, we are keeping a keen eye on the evolution of market preferences and feedback from cannabis consumers. Consumers have indicated that high quality value pricing and higher THC options are important to them, and we are proud to be able to respond to that demand. Well, it's 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 what the uh, the market wants uh, right now, and this the you know legalization is so brand new. It's going to take a while for people to realize different nuances of cannabis and. And you can't wait. You can't mm-hmm. just wait till people want to buy cannabis for terpenes. You do have to give them what they want right now, and hopefully they get to that terpene bus at some point. Yeah, right? yeah, you know, yeah. It's, like you can't you can't wait around for them to get there and not sell anything. No, that's just it. I so, mean, they got they got bills to pay. Yeah, uh, exactly. yeah. So, uh, but it's it's great. The, these three new strains are are super exciting. Uh, I, we just got them in yesterday at my store, and they're already selling really well. So that's nice to see. Uh, and then with this, uh, this there's a new kind of real new exciting news uh, I just kind of tracked down on the internet uh, that we should share. So um, Organogram has partnered up with uh, with a company and they're called Segra International Corp. And uh, this is part of an ongoing effort to optimize the potential of, uh, of the company's core cultivars and, and bring novel cultivars to market. So what this Segra company does is um, they're a Canadian cannabis ag tech company. So agricultural technologies, mm-hmm. uh, and they're a pioneer in both cannabis plant tissue culture, which is also known as micro propagation, mm-hmm. and as well as uh, they're known for their cannabis genomics. So what uh, what this company is going to be doing is instead of the traditional kind of cutting clones uh, and using cuttings, um, they're actually doing which is simply you're just cutting a piece of the plant and putting it in some soil, right? Is that, uh, yeah, pretty in much the simplest. Form? Yeah. In the simplest form for sure. There's, there's yeah. other things involved, but that's yeah. the, for the, for the listener. That's like, what does that mean? That's the simplest form. You're just taking a part of that plant and growing it in a different area to create a new plant. Yeah, that's right, Dean. Um, but with that, I mean, you, you're, when you're, you're cutting off that direct mother plant and so you, you're going to get a lot of, um, I mean, there can be some issues with that mother plant sure. too, uh, that you might not be aware of. So with this plant culture, plant tissue culture, technology uh it has the ability to unlock the full potential of cannabis plants uh by rejuvenating them back to a disease-free generation zero version of that strain wow it's like turning back time it is uh and and so it's just giving the plants like an optimized performance 
and uh, they should use Tina Turner as their spokesperson <laughs> with that song. Yeah, uh, but uh, I mean, it's just big, big news. That's crazy. Yeah, it's uh, and I haven't heard of any other licensed producer doing this yet. So uh, Edison kind of leading the pack again with uh, this innovative uh, way to clone their plants and and ultimately, you know, reduce them to uh, you know disease-free and real healthy plants. Well, you know, I, I, I swear every day I learn something new in this industry, whether it's a new uh, cannabinoid that's out there or a new terpene or a brand new way of getting the best quality plant out there. I, this is what I love about the cannabis industry, but in particular, the cannabis plant is it's always teaching us something new. Yeah, it is, man. I, I feel the same way with you. Like, so I, you know, every day I'm learning something new. Yeah. Uh, we're seeing all these new products every week. There's something new coming yeah. in. Um, I remember there was a time when it was, you know, we just had pre-rolls, flour. And oil. And oil, and that yeah. was that was it. That's and it. now now we got topicals, so many tea choices. bags, chocolates, gummies, you name it. It's, it's all over the place. All right, let's talk about the history. Uh, you have grapefruit haze crossed with grape ape. So oh, yeah. let's talk about this lineage tree to get us to uh, samurai spy or ninja fruit, as some people know it. Yeah, for sure. So, so as you mentioned, the grapefruit haze, uh, the genetics of grapefruit haze is, is grapefruit crossed with a super silver haze. So two really awesome legendary strains um, crossed with the, the grape ape, which is a Mendocino perps crossed with a skunk and an Afghan. So again, more legendary wow. genetics in there. And then you cross those two and it's going to give you that a real kind of notable fruity flavor and aroma to it. Yeah. Skunk and fruity. Uh, you would think they don't go together, but... Ha. That's the the uh, smell of and and Afghan is uh, is so uh, legendary as well. So yeah, classic. I, I like that. Now this is really kind of interesting. Originally, this strain it was actually kind of just like an experiment that they were trying, and and now we have obviously they get an A plus in their uh, chemistry work here. Yeah, the experiment worked out. So initially, um, this the strain is, uh, Ninja Fruit. Uh, it was initially developed by uh, the American breeders uh, Ocean Grown Seeds, and it was developed by their breeder. His name was Stoned Ninja, mm -hmm. <laughs> which I like. And and it was grown to as an experiment to try and make the most balanced hybrid possible, which I think is cool. They just were looking for 50 on one side, 50 on the other, just head and body effects, uh, which I, I do feel like they, yeah. they did a good job with that. And, and also due to the, the strain's very clear parentage, where there's, you know, there's not a lot of... Uh, question about it it's we know that it is what it is um we we, we get uh like a, a significant and unique fruity flavor profile that's that's apparent with the the simple genetics of it uh, and it's also ninja fruit is also known to be um a strain that's loaded up with an unheard amount of terpenes compared to other strains so uh and that's just the genetics of yeah. it so there's so many when it grows there it's going to be super terpy um super smelly and and very noticeable like when you taste it and, sm and smoke it i think i'm gonna go dressed as stoned ninja for halloween this year i'm just gonna get <laughs> high and dress up like a ninja as opposed to when i was a kid i was always a fat ninja and not because i was overweight it's because i was grew up in manitoba and you had to wear so many layers of clothing it was so cold so i was like the i was like the chris farley beverly hills ninja before that movie came out but stoned ninja might be by halloween costume yeah. this year uh i really like that and and kudos to uh the experiment that they passed with flying i love the stories uh the, you know that's the other thing i love about this is the the backstories that you hear about why and you know the next time you're you're smoking this uh, you know think like wow 
this might not be here if they didn't do so well in this experiment, if it didn't work yeah. out, right? Like, so mm-hmm. let's kind of think about it. Uh, also, while you're doing that, check out their website, edisoncannabis.co. Mm-hmm. I find this website has a lot of energy to it, and that's cool. I like that. Some of them, and I like them really laid back and simple, but this has some really good energy, powerful, like you're going for a ride with them, particularly in those videos. Yeah, the the videos are great. They give you like a a tour of their facility, kind of a point of view tour. I like Uh, how the guy can't get into the one room because it's the genius room. Yeah, (laughs) it's just it's good stuff. Yeah, a little bit of humor to those videos, uh, but super. But they show their grow space. Yeah, they do. Uh, It's super educational. You get to see that facility looks immaculate too. Mm. Like you could eat off the floor in there. Yeah, and they you know they talk about growing up instead of uh, sideways. Yeah, better for the uh, environment because. You're, have, you're taking up less space. So yeah. good stuff. Okay, the uh, tub that I picked up uh, using Click and Collect today, three and a half grams, and this is at uh, 21.9%. Uh, so a good uh, amount of THC, definitely in that level three that we talk about. Now, mm-hmm. when we talk about Edison, when we talk about any strain on this segment, we always talk about what's in a name. It's especially interesting when you're talking about Edison because all of their strains are named after a movie. And I've said this multiple times, their marketing worked with me because Rio Bravo is the first legal strain I bought because I'm a big Western fan. So they got me hook, line, and sinker. Yeah. So uh, Samurai Spy was a 1965 film directed by Masahiro Shinoda. And uh, it's basically this legendary samurai, Suzuki uh, Saratobi, tracking down this spy, Najiri, while a mysterious figure named Seikon leads a band of men on their own quest for the wily Najuri. So everybody's after Najuri in this. Okay. Nobody knows who is who, what side they're on, and it was made in the height of the Cold War. The film follows the lives of spies caught up in the power struggle of their times. Like, this sounds like something I want to watch while smoking a a joint of Samurai (laughs) Spy. I think it will definitely enhance the movie. Yeah, yeah, I think so, Dean, for sure. Um, also, too, with the what's in a name, uh, you know, the 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 whole ninja fruit. Yes. Uh, name. Uh, I, I feel like it's it's named after the ninja-like sneaky effects mm-hmm. that will kind of creep up on you, uh, and then the flavor uh, profile to it. Uh, it's definitely a fruity es- essence. Uh, I, I keep calling it Fruit Ninja, though, like yeah. that that app there. See, I don't know what this. App, you were trying to tell me this app. I don't know what. <laughs> It was like one of the first apps that came out on the iPads. And what did it and, do? And it was just, it was for kids mainly. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> but it would just be like fruit would just plop down on the screen and you mm-hmm. just swipe through it with your finger and your finger was like a sword. And oh, you so you're just slicing fruit all Slice day. the fruit in half and okay. you get points. And <laughs> All right. Yeah, it was called Fruit Ninja. And obviously a node to Stone Ninja who uh, yeah. know, created this. But uh, I like that sneaky effects. Like It is, yeah. You ever watch a ninja movie? You never see the ninja until it's too late. Yeah, yeah. Right? yeah. Like they're, they're all. Always all sneaking up on you. So, okay, so that's that's good stuff with uh, what's in a name. Now, let's talk about the look. This comes in uh, your standard blue tub, which is, uh, you know, if you, if you listen to me, I think that's how you stand out. Don't have a white tub. Mm-hmm. You know, if you want to stand out, have any color other than white. And and that's uh, they're, they're all like this. So it's a it's a consistent look. Um, the only thing is, you and I aren't big fans of the rims on any of these tubs. Yeah, so for cannabis companies, get rid of the rims, and and you have a really good reason why. 
Yeah, for sure. I, I just find that uh, those lips inside the containers, uh, a lot of times you're going to get some trichome, some pistol, some of the good stuff that you're going to want to put in your mm -hmm. pipe or joint uh, is going to get stuck and caked inside your container. Yeah. So uh, when, I, when I've got a container without a lip, I've got a little brush that yeah. I keep on my rolling Comes kit right and I'll just sweep it all out and pop it into my joint. Uh, but it's a little bit trickier with the lips. Mm -hmm. So great thing is uh, they all come with the uh, dual humidity packs uh, that yeah. are out there. They, you know, I think they have their logo right on it, them. It or is Edison so. branded Integra Boost packs. Yeah. So good stuff on yeah, that. Really nice. And you can recycle these again at uh, Nova locations. I know uh, for a while uh, lots of people weren't taking in recycling for good reason, but now you guys are accepting these again. Yeah, that's right. We've got our recycle bins back up. Uh, yeah. So and and people have been super receptive. We've had a lot of people come in with. Big bags. Well, they've been saving them. That's right. right. They've been saving them up, so it's been uh, it's been pretty fun. All right. What about the rest of the look? What about the buds in particular? What do you see? Yeah. So with the buds that we got uh, with this one here, we got some smaller buds to it. Uh, darker green to to the buds uh, with almost like a, some subtle purple flecks to it, mm -hmm. uh, and very very decent trichome coverage too. When you put the, put a light on it. Yeah, I took a picture of it, and you could see them uh, just shining off the back. Those purple flecks. That's probably where that grape ape, uh, you know, probably yeah. where the grape ape comes in, maybe adds a little bit to that. Totally. Yeah. Uh, and it's uh, got a, a sweet and spicy smell to it. Yeah, it does. Sweet and spicy, um, kind of sweet and spicy, like tropical fruit even too. Uh, there, There is a, a fruity, you know, uh, essence to it, but... Mm -hmm. Uh, I do find that spice as well, uh, as we'll, we'll get into the terpenes here shortly, but yeah. I, th I think we know what, uh, what terpene's going to be in there. <laughs> yeah, no, no kidding. And, and you said that, that there's, uh, you know, a ton of them, like the terpene profile, uh, kind of like pops off the chart with this. Yeah, for sure. In, in some of my research, I, I, I found some like certificates of analysis for some, some ninja fruit. And the terpene percentages were, were pretty high on them for compared to other strains that I've looked into. So awesome. Definitely a terpy strain. What are we looking at then? What particular ones are uh, top and uh, central? Yeah, so uh, the, the top four, we've got uh, caryophylline, and that's the, the black pepper kind of spiciness mm -hmm. that we just mentioned. Uh, myrcene is in there too, and that's kind of earthy and clove. Uh, and then we got some limonene, that's the citrus kind of fruity flavor, and then pinene takes up the rear there, and that's giving it that kind of woodsy pine smell and flavor. And it's interesting, people often associate and, and, and overgeneralize myrcene and limonene as uh, really, really sleepy and really, really uh, energy, and mm -hmm. this is a 50-50 hybrid, yeah. and you have both of them kind of back-to-back, so it, you know, it proves that you can... You know, you're not going to just, anything with mercine isn't going to knock you out and anything with limonene isn't going to give you a big boost. It all depends on that entourage effect, right? That's right. And the, and the combination too of, yes. of all the terpenes and the THC and CBD, that, that whole entourage effect. Because um, we, we do find a lot of sativas that, that do have mercine in yeah. it. Blue Dream is a good example of yes. that where it's, I don't smoke Blue Dream though and hit the couch. I mean, it, it's the factor of, you know, everything yeah. combined. Working together. You know, one terpene might be like this on its own. Yeah. But in the combination, uh, brings out some different things. Totally. So, all right. Uh, the desired effect. Uh, and we should point out that everybody does react a little bit differently, but there is a general desired effect that... Um, you know, most people report or, or you yourself, yourself experience. For sure. Um, I, I think it's a great strain for, for, you know, anyone with a big day. If you've got a lot on the go, uh, it's a nice strain to get your day started because uh, it puts you in a real incredibly euphoric mood. Mm -hmm. um, it's a smile inducing strain. Uh, I found it to be a very functional high in the head uh, with, with very soothing body effects. So best of both worlds. That's that 50, 50 hybrid yes. we talked about. Um, 
and you can definitely expect the munchies with it. Okay. it it's a, an appetite-inducing uh, strain for sure. And uh, my uh, one of the first times I, I hit it, and I, I had my little notepad, and I was making notes, uh, I, I found it to have a, a fun initial en energetic buzz that you know, right off the hop, I was like, oh, okay, yeah. I'm feeling great. And then it kind of settled into a super nice chill where... Yeah, I was I was laying on my couch, you know, watching some shows, but I you know, I wasn't glued to the couch. Right. I was just super comfortable and relaxed. So that was super nice. Um and definitely it it provides a comfort and relief to your mind and body without losing too much of your energy. So, um real nice strain for sure. Good stuff. All right, the 3 Ws. We always like to let people know, you know, who this strain is for, what this strain is for, and when this strain is good for. Yeah, for sure. So for the who, uh, it's going to say it's not for beginners. Uh, the THC level is a little bit too high there if you're just getting into cannabis. Um, this one might be a little strong. Uh, I think it's intermediate smokers and up. Uh, and anyone having a rough day, I think, that that would be a good who should be smoking this. If you're having you know, not the best day, um, have a little bit of the, the ninja fruit, and it'll kind of perk your mood up a bit too. Yeah, it does seem to, uh, from, from things that I was reading about, people were saying that... Uh, um, kind of like a, a mood enhancer, a mood booster, mood changer, yeah. whatever it, you know, it's, it's almost, it's like hearing that, uh, one, one of those songs on the radio and you're in the car and you're just involuntarily tapping your finger on the steering wheel, it just takes over. And this is kind of just, you know, almost brings a smile onto your face no matter what. So that's good. Uh, yeah. So that's the, that's the good. who, what about the what and the when? So with the what, um, starting your day off with a kick, uh, I, in my research, you know, I found multiple uh, sites that mentioned that it's a great strain for just before work. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I, I, I found that to be funny. Uh, you know, that's because I mean, you, for, a, you must have a very open-minded boss, I would imagine. Yeah, that, right. Uh, is okay with that. Yeah, and I feel like the you know the people writing these reviews are definitely very open with their cannabis. Right. Uh, and maybe they work from home or something. Like, listen, for me, yeah. I work from home. I am, uh, you know, I, I, I'm the, my own boss, so to speak. So, you know, I do often use cannabis when I'm uh, preparing and editing and, and as we're do as we're working now, um, obviously we're not advocating anybody use this and drive any sort of motor vehicle. Cause that is totally wrong. But, uh, to the people that are putting those reviews out, if uh, if it gets them through and their boss is okay with it, then this is a perfect strain for that, right? Yeah, well said, wow. Dean. Yeah, for sure. So, I mean, that's that's just worth worth mentioning. Is uh, like four just or five strange, different reviews. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that was mentioned. Um, but it proves that some people do use cannabis for, and then then it, and I think it does. I think cannabis. I don't know if it proves it, but it does point out that people use it for creativity. And I know for a fact, for me, cannabis is good for productivity. Yeah, it is definitely. It's, yep. I just feel like it's important for life. Yes. <laughs> um, I definitely, uh, it, it's good. This strain is also good for stimulating conversations. So uh, I definitely kind of gets the gets the brain going a little bit uh, and some funny thoughts. Uh, I think it's a great movie for, uh, great for watching movies or video games. Um, and then also if you're looking to get your appetite going, mm -hmm. I think it would be a good strain for that yeah. too. I, uh, I love the game Red Dead Redemption 2 on uh, PS4. Oftentimes if, uh, you know, if you came here at, uh, 9.30 PM and on, uh, you will see me using cannabis in that game. And it's just, <laughs> uh, it's cool. A great graphic video game that has realistic, it's almost like watching a movie, but you get to control the character. Nice. Throw in cannabis and it's a great mix, but watching movies is great. And Look for Samurai Spy <laughs> when you use this, right? Yeah. 
Like that's just a no-brainer. Yeah, totally. I feel like that'd be a hard one to track down. Uh, it might be. I couldn't. The last time we did it, Edison, uh, I can't remember which them. It might have been Lola Montez. I couldn't. I think it was find yeah. that movie. Uh, <laughs> there was one. It was a. It was an Italian one, maybe. Okay, taste test. I've had this. Um, I definitely. Uh, oh, did we miss something? Yeah, we didn't go through the when yet. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. The one more W Dean. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so for the when it's uh, it's typically a daytime strain. Uh, okay. Great for a wake and bake. Uh, but I feel I feel like it also works really nice in the evening. Right after dinner was good. So I, I kind of feel like ninja fruit is a strain for any time of the day. So you don't think that it's going to be one of those ones that's going to have you pacing and thinking. Uh, no. If, even if you used it close to bed, maybe not right before bed, but. You know, the, you know, the 9, 30, 10 o'clock cutoff sort of thing doesn't really apply. You know, and, and that, that was my initial thoughts. Uh, but I, I had some last night at about okay. 11, 1130. And uh, you're good. Yeah. And I was good. And I had a great sleep. So, oh, there uh, we go. It wasn't too, too buzzy. So, so this is really like the, uh, the all purpose strain. You can kind of have it anytime. So, yeah. All right. Now let's get to the taste test. Yeah. Tell me about it. So with the taste test, uh, it's kind of similar to the smell, uh, how it tastes. So it's, it's sweet and spicy on that initial taste. Uh, and there's uh, a slight sourness on the exhale that I found, um, but also a, a very smooth smoke. I just like that. The f any kind of fruity strains, they work yeah. well for me. The pepper is very evident, uh, right? most definitely. Uh, but there is a, a sweetness to it. Like yeah. I can just, you know, and that's that, you know, any grape uh, fruity thing that comes into it, you know, you're going to get that. So I love that. And you're right. It's, it's very, very smooth. Yeah. Like it's... You know, it helps that I'm using the, the Hexasaurus Rex from Burnt here, but uh, it's definitely really, really nice and smooth. So I'm Sweet. digging it. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm loving this. And I picked this up, as mentioned, with a few other things, uh, click and collect. And one of the things that you have is this dry sift hash from Tantalus Labs. Yeah, yeah. We just got that in on Monday. Uh, really cool, unique product. Uh, I picked one up uh, for myself just to test it out. I, I feel like that's part of my job is yes. like, I got to get familiar with the product. So... Uh, I grabbed one of them and it's, it comes in a, like a little, um, like a pre almost like a pre-roll pre tub. It, I think it is their pre-roll tub. Yeah. So it kind of looks like a chapstick almost Yeah. where they normally would have three joints in it. But here we've got a gram of the dry sift hash in it. Uh, it's 52% THC. So it's, oh. it's got some kick. Yeah. And, uh, what's, uh, what dry sift hash is for, for maybe people that don't know, um, it's when they take uh, the cannabis plant, they remove the excess plant matter and they keep only the trichomes. And it's this soft powdery consistency and it's it's one of the purest ways to consume cannabis it's just super clean yes and you're getting the, the pretty much just the thc none of the other stuff and uh when you crack the stuff and and take a look at it and smell it uh it smells delicious it smells like candy uh and then i i put it on my my bowls last night yeah I did a couple bowls just took my little spoon and did a couple scoops and super tasty and Super strong and effective. Oh, that is good. One gram, 52%. Uh, it's like taking a trip to Candyland. <laughs> you know what you can do? You could take a trip to Candyland, top it on a bowl of uh, Samurai Spy, and watch the movie. <laughs> or, um, as we're doing, we're going to be watching quadruple overtime right away in the NHL. Oh, That's what boy. Samurai Spy will really be good for. <laughs> I've been having one eye on this conversation, another eye on the TV. Can you believe this NHL game is going into quadruple overtime? Well, it, it hopefully won't be going by the time this episode goes out, but... <laughs> yeah. Man, I think that's great. You, you just top these in bowls. Like, that's the great thing about some of this live hash uh, or live resin that Good Buds came out or even the keef that you can collect in mm. the bottom of your grinder. 
it just it's like uh, you know if if you've got uh, you know 100%, it gives you like 120%. There's a yeah. just a nice 20% topper. I, I think, Dean, it's also really nice for if, if there's a strain that you like, uh, Tangerine Dream is a good example, mm -hmm. where it usually comes in on the lighter THC, 11 to 13%. Sure. Um, mix mix it up with some of this dry sift hash to, to bring your THC levels up oh, a bit, Oh, that's a right? good idea. Uh, so you can mix mix in this dry sift stuff, uh, any of these bowl topper stuff. Or Spring, joints? Yeah, totally. Uh, yeah. Absolutely. I, I mix them into my joints. So do you do it at the top? Uh, do you do it in the middle? What's your process? So my, my go-to is I will bust up my cannabis in my grinder, yeah. um, and then I'll dump it out of my tray, and then I'll take some scoops. I'll dump the scoops into my busted up bud. Oh, so mix it all yeah. the way through. And then I'll take my fingers and I'll kind of uh, mix it all up. Like a good chef. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> and then you get it all the way through, kind of. Yeah, and it's it's throughout the joint, too. Um, there's other ways, too. Some people will, will just put them at the, at the top of the joint and have it kind of res and mm -hmm. goop down as it burns. Burn down, yeah. Uh, but I, I just like mixing it through, so I've just got a strong joint throughout. And people should know you don't need a lot. No. Like you don't, like you, if you're putting in a bowl, it's like... Uh, 5% of what you would, you know, 5% of the topper yeah. uh, compared to the, the, the actual bowl. Like you need, you need a tiny scoopful. Yeah. I was using my, my dab spoon, which yeah. is a very tiny, tiny little yeah. spoon. And one of those did it for me. Yeah. So you don't need a lot. All right. So there you go. You can use that uh, on a topper, but uh, check out Samurai Spy uh, or Ninja Fruit mm -hmm. uh, from, uh, Edison, and as mentioned, I love the marketing on Edison. Uh, they do one of the best out there. And make sure if you're heading to Nova, use the click and collect, head to the Leafly website. Your stuff will be waiting for you. Thanks as always for coming out, Chris. Enjoy the rest of the playoffs, even though the Oilers aren't involved. Yeah, thanks for having me, Dean. is the Business of Cannabis, a joint venture between the Green Generation Co. and the Cannabis 101 podcast. Bringing you the latest bud, biz, buzz. Malka LaBelle from the Green Generation Co. joins me as usual. Find uh, online at greengencompany.com and find out how Malka can help you uh, be a greener person, let's say. Melka, thanks very much for being here once again. How are you? I'm great, Dean. How are you doing? I am excellent. Loving the sunshine that we're getting. Our summer this year started out a little bit slow, but uh, much better than it was last year. We could do without some of the crazy thunderstorms, uh, but I'm <laughs> loving the sunshine. Definitely. I concur. All right, let's discuss um, the, uh, I guess, the cannabis uh, ecosystem and uh, your notion that are they harder than people might have thought? And you're basing this off of a story uh, that one gentleman went through and, and just, uh, and well, I guess a collective and just could not make it work. So, so what's the, what is the cannabis ecosystem like for somebody trying to get in? Yeah, so... I actually refer to this in the, it's part of the, the, the content that I've created for um, an education program through Elevated Learning Academy, really because in dissecting how to maneuver in this industry with so many harsh regulations around marketing and promotion, um, what we've seen develop are different kinds of ecosystems. And what, we, what I mean by that is that these are, ecosystem is like a group of, of companies or a group of individuals or anything where 
the business of one feeds into the business of the other. So um, it's really like they are all like-minded in some way. And like, it's essentially without having to go out and externally market and find new customers all the time, which is how we consider think of business operations and consumer packaged goods and really anything is you've always got to spend money to find new customers. An ecosystem effectively gets the businesses in a position where they're, they grow together stronger because one person's um, products, they support another person's input for what they need for their business. So in, in this case, uh, case, we're talking about a collective of, uh, of craft growers. Um, and this is, we talked about our craft growers and our love of the cannabis that comes from craft growers. But we also understand that growing and starting a cannabis, either micro-cultivation or any kind of cultivation uh, program, it's a lot of upfront capital and a lot of upfront work. Um, but once sort of it gets going, it generates a lot of good products and, and a lot of learning that people can kind of sort of teach each other. And these, this ecosystem um, that was referred to in this particular art, article that was covered in NJ Biz Daily, I'd actually covered them before um, uh, in a, another publication, but it's called the Wildfire Collective, and they were operating under the Ottawa Valley. And this one cannabis grower, uh, Mark Spear, was is his name. He's, it was his idea to start this collective in that area. He saw that there was a number of growers that were interested in getting together and growing their craft product, and they secured some land um, that was sort of near this municipality. But um, and we know that outdoor cannabis is a hugely can be hugely advantageous because of the lower cost operating costs to grow. You don't need as much, you know, capital. You don't need as much equipment to really get going. Um, but you do need a supportive group around you um, that can help um, with obstacles, with hurdles, as well as with the stakeholders around that. So that's what happened here is that uh, Mark himself, you know, got his group together and was trying to set up this wildfire collective near Ottawa. And uh, did it with equity crowdfunding. So they got, they had a crowdfunding campaign, uh, I believe it was online, and they were able to um, to really raise enough money without having to get a lot of um, other investors. Um, and it's kind of like an anti, it's like very much a, like I'm going to say like a, a commune type model. Like, I mean, there's a lot of other ones that have done it successfully in the past. Uh, a kibbutz model in Israel is an example where, You've got all of these people working together to a, for a collective good, and everybody is taking something away personally, but working in together. So it's kind of an anti-capitalist model in some ways, but can still work within a, a capitalist system. But it still needs the support of the groups around it, the stakeholders and the, the municipalities and the local and, and uh, regulatory uh, or government to be supportive um, and to understand what they're going to gain in order for the ecosystem to be successful. Ecosystems don't exist in, the, in a vacuum. If, if anything, they're the opposite of that. They, they allow uh, more people to get involved with a lower cost of entry, but you still have to make sure that you've got everything covered off for the people around you to make sure that everyone understands the benefits because it can be a long time until really anyone's seeing, seeing those benefits. So you have to have those people together rallied to, to make it work. I, I love the idea of this and, you know, in, you know, when you go from start to finish and you fast forward to the end, the, the ultimate benefactor is the customer who's going to get a better quality of cannabis. And, and I think these ideas, 
Um, well, you know, this one sounds like it, it's having trouble getting off the ground. I think this is not the future, but part of the future of uh, that craft cannabis idea. And, you know, uh, th- it sounded like they just ran into a bunch of roadblocks every time they turned around. Yeah, definitely. And, and you know what, like, it's, it's not, um, it's very common, you know, it's, it's very common for ecosystems or anyone really that's bringing in something new to an area that's not familiar with it. Um, and, and actually in the article, he takes, Mark takes a lot of time sort of to outline sort of the, the learnings that he learned from it to teach others. And I wanted to just address some of those because I think they're really important. And, and I, I actually, there's other ecosystems that I cover both in the, the uh, lecture series that we do with Elevated Learning Academy, but also that are right in our backyard. And that's with the Tabor, um, the, the Tabor Collective. And I've had um, um, in, uh, talks with the, the head of that group um, uh, Lindsay Blackett and, and Lindsay has basically figured out <laughs> that because they're running a, a very similar uh, a, cr- a craft collective uh, cannabis um, ecosystem but you know what he did is he was very smart and he took the word cannabis out of it um, he calls it a, a, an ag tech a, a sustainable uh, ag tech um, you know uh, cultivation I know there's lots of words about farming and, 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 agri-tech and agriculture and, and technology without using the word cannabis. And that's how he sold it to the municipality of Tabor. And, and he had to get that buy-in uh, to change some zoning, to acquire some more land. And they're working with a research facility uh, in, the, in their area. But he literally said, you know what we learned is that we learned to stop talking about this cannabis. This is an agricultural product. We're, a, we're applying technology. We're applying innovation. We're applying new ways of doing things to an old plant, and we're getting success. But if we use the word cannabis, it effectively, the stigma is what kills it. And, and Mark Spears says something similar. And it's about the stakeholders that aren't necessarily directly impacted that you have to sell the concept to first. And it's no different than, than the pipeline conversation that oil and gas companies and sort of not in my backyard or the NIMBY, com, uh, the NIMBY com, concept where governments or local people sort of have a really loud voice if they don't really understand what they're going to benefit from these ecosystems happening in their backyard. And that's what it is, is you really have to start with the people around the ecosystem and then work your way in um, to have them understand what the benefits are to them first before trying to set up some of these, um, these quite large projects that have a long time until they really see those rewards. Yeah, I, I guess that's a necessary evil, uh, a, a, a deal you can make right now. And hopefully in time, we don't have to uh, hide the word cannabis uh, from what we're doing. But, you know, these maybe are the the trendsetters and the pioneers that are going to get us to a position where we are able to do it. Uh, because it's, uh, like I said, a necessary evil to, to you know, hide the word cannabis and and that all ties back to the stigma with it right now right so right. you know maybe these companies are the ones that are helping to change that in this specific way definitely i look forward to seeing what the other ecosystems because there are other ones out there mm-hmm. um can do um and and you know putting them together to learn because they're across the country uh, maybe it's a matter of just connecting those groups together so they can learn from each other. For sure. All right, let's move on to change makers now. And we're talking about all nations 
a cannabis corp, uh, a bright spot in the First Nations loophole. And this is something that you and I have discussed on a few episodes about, you know, how this works, whether you're on uh, Indigenous land compared to just, you know, regular uh, uh, government land. Yeah, and, and again, this is sort of on my question BC to sort of unpack what has been going on and these interesting kind of different, I mean, the 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 argument from the the legal stores in the BC region is that the uh, the native groups are taking away their opportunity because they're able to sell. They're just allowing illicit activity in the stores to happen. But this group is different. This group, um, their goal is to really work within the government's uh, regulatory framework, but just do it a little bit different and and really to help not just their nations, like they're within their one particular band in uh, in the Okanagan, or sorry, in the BC, but they also really want to be a leader for all um, First Nations groups in Canada and, and I think really world. They really want to have that sort of, you know, we're, we're worth something and we have an opportunity to try it a little bit differently. And they came to me um, because they have several stores already open uh, in the uh, BC region um, and they're opening a lot more very quickly. Um, their stores are sort of in this a little bit of a gray zone. I mean, they're they're really trying to be as close to the regulated retail model that we have. But understanding that um, cannabis retailers are a jurisdiction underneath the um, the the AZLC or the mm-hmm. uh, regional province um, regulations. And the thing about First Nations groups is that they see themselves. Um, on par with provincial regulators in some cases. And in other cases, they see themselves as can do whatever they want. And some, and the regional um, provincial regulators see them as just like another municipality. So mm-hmm. there seems to be a bit of disconnect depending on who you talk to. But this particular group just wants to do it better. And that's why they came to me. They were, they were understanding there was I was creating educational content um, for different groups. And that's why they literally picked up the phone and said, hey, you know, we see you're doing this. We'd like to speak to you about, because we want to provide a really good education background for our people in our stores. And we want to do that to the best of our ability. Um, So that's where the conversation started. And when I was out in BC, I went to these stores and they look just like retailers, like like legal retailers that we have here in Alberta. Um, And they just happen, their products just are kind of a wider assortment. So let's put it that way. But even the packaging was really, really, really close to, um, and the dosing, everything looked really, really, really similar to um, what is fully from an LP here. And their goal is to stock their stores with all LP products. I think they're working towards that, but they just don't have the um, the, the ability to um, to buy as much as they can for the needs of their stores. Like the stores are super busy. Um, and the people are, you know, the one store I was in, it was like a friggin' like uh, a revolving door of people just walking through, picking up their order and walking out. Like it was so busy that I'm like, holy crap, this is a ton of volume. They wouldn't even have enough ability to stock that store. Um, just in, that's one of several. And I think that's what they're running up against is that they're, they can't keep up with the demand and they have so much demand that. They're just trying to do it better. And I just, I really honor them for the fact that they're trying and they want people to appreciate that they are working really hard for compliance, but respect the fact that they're sort of in this no man's land. And that was created by the structure of 
patchwork that was in you know rules house with cannabis where there's a you know there's government uh, federally there's you know governed provincially and then below that is municipalities that sort of created this confusion that they're just trying to navigate. I'm shocked uh, that this wasn't addressed in the initial rollout of legalization where uh, Indigenous land stands on this. And I'm, I'm shocked that it wasn't uh, uh, made more clear because, I, you know, I've always thought that that is where the first place uh, sort of those consumption cafe ideas would be uh, because there is such a disconnect and a, and a contention of what can and cannot happen. Um, I, and I still think it will be, uh, you know, whether, yeah, I don't know if we're, we're going to get there right away, but I think when we do the first place will be in that area. That's, that's what I think, but uh, it is certainly one to watch and to see, uh, you know, these stores popping up, uh, you know, across the country. Definitely. And I really think that there's, you know, the economic prosperity for these, you know, this group, not just this group, but everybody that's kind of really suffering in economic prosperity right now. We're seeing the demand of both, you know, not only uh, jobs needing to be filled, particularly at the retail level, but in all places in between. And I think there's a huge opportunity that the business case can be made that if they're doing something and they're trying to reach that, those, you know, those regulatory goals that are being set, but they're doing it in a way that they're making money. They're making money for their own group. Because you have to remember, native groups don't have to pay uh, GST or other taxes. So that's an advantage that they have. But they're giving money and they're producing revenue and economic prosperity for their group, which means that the rest of the countries and all of the other people in it aren't responsible or don't have to do as much to, you know, to give back to them as well. So I think that that's, they're trying to be self-sufficient within the structure that they're in. And the fact that this regulatory patchwork was created, I mean, honestly, we've seen many faults with the federal government with this rollout, but everyone's just trying to do it better. Mm -hmm. And I think if we still have that model and not penalize them for that and say, well, this is not the way we do it. It's like nobody really knows yet how to do it. We're still figuring it out. Um, at least give them the benefit of the doubt for trying and creating the economic prosperity along the way for their people. Uh, very well said. All right, let's move on to what it means to be green. And uh, where are you taking us on the, this segment today? So this is <laughs> looking back at some past uh, things that I had spoken about. And um, the the topic of NIMBY, which I brought up in the first segment, part, part of the talk today about not in my backyard. It's an acronym. Um, and then the other side of the not in my backyard uh, argument is the grass is greener on the other side. So this is a dichotomy of protest. And this is a concept that is not new to anything. It's like, how is it that people continuously have grievances with what's going on around them? And everybody has a bone to pick with something. We're seeing tons of protesting happening all over the world right now for lots of different reasons. And I'm just wanting to sort of clarify that there really is somewhat of sort of everything's the same, but yet, you know, there's different ways that it can be shown. So, you know, not in my backyard. Um, that's in response. What I'm talking about there is communities surrounding cannabis businesses that don't necessarily want it there, largely because of the, they're ill-informed or the stigma reasons that we already discussed. Um, and the, the concept of the grass is always greener on the other side. Well, that's what people think is an illusion that they should be trying to get to or they want um, because they don't have something right now. 
And and these are both, like I said, protest movements, reasons for backlash. Uh, and they're highly effective ways for getting individuals to rally against or on a common topic um, that um, can really push to change for, for change. This is how people as individuals in a democratic society get together around a subject matter and get things changed, get things done. And it's usually involving some sort of a stigmatized issue, like the pipeline protest is an example, like cannabis is another example. I mean, all of the people that came before, um, you know, came before us and that were, you know, uh, um, thrown into jail and, and, you know, all of their rights taken away from them because they were using cannabis for health reasons. They're an example. They were protesting for, again, um, you know, the or for the ability to use cannabis for their, you know, personal use. And here we have it being legal. And now there's still people saying, well, we don't want it here for whatever reason. So all I'm saying is that there can be so many different sides to, this, to these arguments. But what it does is it brings people together. It unites them on some purpose and some reason that allows them to have a voice that they may not have had uh, in, in another way and different than just voting. Like voting, yes, everyone has a chance to vote. And in a democratic society, we have very structure around that. But this is a way for people to sort of have a voice, take a stance, whether their reason for, for you know, vocalizing it is true or stigmatized or missing in information. It's definitely a place to start. And it's a place where there can be community engagement and outreach. Whereas if there are businesses that are being protested against, here's an opportunity to have a point of communication and open up the doors for asking questions and clarifying information in a, in a discourse that just doesn't end in hate or violence. So all I just want to say is that, you know, you can satisfy every stakeholder um, and that's where you got to start because in business, it's not about the shareholders. The shareholders will be happy if you can um, satisfy these stakeholders that have a protest against what you're trying to do. And successful models of business um, that can st- that will rise up and, and be successful if they recognize that you have to start with the people that don't necessarily have an economic interest in what you're trying to do. And that's the, the, the bottom line here is that the people that have a voice aren't necessarily your customers and they're definitely not your shareholders but they're your stakeholders and they're the ones that have to be communicated to, to, you know, end that stigma and to overcome those misinformation that they're, they're voicing very loudly against. Well, yeah. And to be able to have those, you need to be able to get in that market. And, uh, you know, I've heard lots of stories from people uh, that tried to set up a store here and had backlash from the community. And so then they had to look at another option. And, and you know, I'm not going to guarantee anything, but I'm pretty sure a lot of the people protesting probably haven't been into a legal cannabis store and are basing their um, beliefs on something that is uh, outdated and, and not uh, what it used to be. So it, it all comes down to information. And, and, you know, before you protest, maybe get really educated about what you're protesting against. Exactly. And it's also up to the businesses to take the time to educate the sure. people around them, have the town halls, have the engagement opportunity, go out there and say, Hey, we're thinking about doing something in your community. We have the opportunity to hire you for jobs, for economic prosperity, for revenue back to the community, for giving charity back to the community. What do you think? You know, start with an open hand of here's how we want to help you instead of how we're trying to take away something from you. And you might have some better outcomes. 
Yeah, education is key, Malka. Thank you so much for joining me as usual. Uh, people can find more information at greengencompany.com. Thanks, Malka. Thanks, Dean. Bud, dope, flower, ganja, Mary Jane. We all have our own language when it comes to cannabis. Herb, John Lennon, plant, tie stick, salad. So let's explore another Weed word of the day. Samuel L. Jackson, The Hobbit's Leaf, Lady Gaga, 420. With weed word of the day, we take one slang word and one standard word to try to educate you. So if you're around somebody, uh, you know what it is uh, they're talking about. And the slang word we're going with today is lefty and this uh stems from left-handed cigarette that's what it was called as tobacco cigarettes were generally smoked in the right hand and from what i've read this goes back to the 1930s and uh what was called jive talk with american jazz musician musicians rather and uh you know people this is a term that people use uh, let's go burn a lefty or whatever or somebody's burning a lefty uh and, and I guess it was a way probably maybe to uh, a little bit of a code as well uh, in different times of prohibition. So lefty is basically another uh, term for a joint as our slang weed word of the day. As for the standard term, I'm going with uh, the entourage effect. And, and you've heard Chris and I talk about this quite a bit maybe in the past or recently on What's That Strain? And maybe you're wondering what exactly it is. Uh, we try to explain it every few episodes, but if you missed it, this is a term given to the process of different cannabis properties working together. I'm sure you know about THC and CBD and maybe some other cannabinoids, but when you use cannabis, you are inhaling a bunch like over hundreds of different botanical compounds and sometimes they act differently when paired with others than they would on their own so it's different compounds of the plant working together now here's a general example myrcene is a terpene that is thought to mostly relax and couch luck and kind of make you tired and can kind of help with sleep but myrcene sometimes paired with other terpenes and the, the cannabinoids uh, in that uh, particular strain can actually be, you know, that strain could be a booster. So not always does myrcene mean you're going to hit the couch. Not always does limonene mean you're going to want to run, <laughs> um, things like that. It's when they pair together, sometimes they're a much different. And, and here's the really cool thing about the entourage effect. It's something that I can't wait for more people to get on board with and that's sometimes that you can get a, a strain that's say 14 or 16 or 17 percent that will feel much stronger i like to use the term punching above its weight depending on the terpene structure the different cannabinoids the entourage effect so as i've been beating the drum it's not always about uh, thc um, you can look at the entourage effect as something uh, that can give uh, a boost. Chris and I were talking about uh, the uh, the hash that you can put on some of the bowls or the, the live resin from Good Buds and stuff, and it gives you just a, a really, really nice boost. So that's the entourage effect, and that's how it can help you understand cannabis just a little bit more.
is the Cannabis 101 podcast, your guide through the legalization and consumption of cannabis in Canada and beyond. All right, that is going to wrap things up for us on this week. Uh, very, very big uh, thank you for our guests this week, uh, David uh, Simanzig of Clean Light, uh, who joined us from Holland, and uh, Corwin Cook from Canneth Imports. Of course, David Wiley from the OZ, Chris Ianson of Nova Cannabis, Jasper Av, and Malka LaBelle from the Green Generation Co. Our cannabis question, do you have a cannabis ritual? Hit me up on uh, social media, at the Cannabis 101 on Twitter, Cannabis 101 Podcast, Facebook, and Instagram. You can also email me cannabis101podcast at gmail.com and you could win a prize package from Numo Cannabis. Thank you very much for joining me on this ride this week. I hope you enjoyed it. If you did, please subscribe. And if you feel comfortable, leave us a review and make sure you check out podcastalley.ca if you're into more podcasts. I have a couple of sports ones there going on and more to come. And I have a whole bunch of past episodes of the cannabis, so all the past episodes of the Cannabis 101 podcast, plus a back issue of One Hitters. You can check that out at uh, www.podcastalley.ca. If you think you can make a good guest or if you'd like to be an advertiser, please email me cannabis101podcast at gmail.com. We leave you as always with the marijuana song from the artist My Dead Dog. And remember, it's not just about getting high, it's about getting healthy.